Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, back to football time, knock on wood, back to football time, knock on wood, almost basketball time, time. I sure hope we can keep playing sports so we can talk about sports time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a on a nice, pleasant fall afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Located just about, uh, I think, 1.9 or 2.1 miles as the crow flies to Neyland Stadium, which is not where Tennessee will play football on Saturday. Tennessee will be several hours to the south. What do you say? Four hours, four and a half hours, whatever it is. Down there on the plains of Alabama, facing the Auburn Tigers, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. We got plenty to discuss about that game. Big game for Tennessee in many, many ways, and we'll have a lot to discuss about that in the second segment. But before we do that, uh, we're going to get some news and notes and other things uh, cleared off the table here in the first segment. Not just me on this podcast from uh, across town from his uh, his his clown car full of children house, his home daycare center. It is uh, Ryan Callahan. Ryan, what's up, man? <laughs> Not much, man. How's it going? Not much. Is uh, is everything quiet at the Callahan abode right now? It, it is. You know, we we still uh, still are able to send the kids to 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 daycare so that my wife and I can work from home and get some things you know actually accomplished at certain hours of the day. So being able to record this uh, at uh, a non evening hour, you know, it allows us to actually have some peace and quiet a little bit. I don't know how y'all with, with, with multiple young children do it because right here, it's just uh, me and my wife and, and she works uh, half the time, I guess she's kind of, she used to be working all from home. Now it's about 50, 50 on whether she goes to her office or she's here. Uh, and it's just the two of us and a whatever 13 month old uh, young Corgi dog. And uh, it's still like, because of the noise and everything, people running around, it's just, it's a distraction. I don't know how in the world uh, the people who work from home get that done with the kids there. That's just got to be, that's something my mind, I have a hard time multitasking. It's not what I naturally do well. Uh, I suck at it, to be candid. And I don't know how y'all do it. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's tricky. I, I don't know, during a pandemic, even uh, even trickier, but, uh, you know. It, it's uh, welcome to the 
fun, fun life of having, uh, having multiple kids. I know plenty of our listeners out there in the same boat, like, yep, I totally get you. It's, uh, it's one of those things you just learn, learn to adjust. Well, we'll see. Hopefully when my wife and I have kids, the world will be back on its proper axis. Get that vaccine done. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Guys, it has been, uh, I think, a relatively newsy week for Tennessee, and and not just because it's a Tennessee football week. There are tons and tons of things to discuss. I'll say quickly here, uh, in case you missed it from Wednesday night's draft, uh, NBA draft, and the Thursday morning and afternoon aftermath of it, uh, a couple of former Tennessee stars are on the move. Uh, Josh Richardson has been traded from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, for uh, Seth Curry, uh, Steph's younger brother, um, uh, is going the other way, and there's also a draft pick involved there. And and Admiral Schofield, former Tennessee star, has been traded from the Washington Wizards to the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, where now he'll be playing with several former U.K. Wildcats uh, on that roster. I think there's three or four of them, including guys that he played against on that team. So that'll be interesting. I know that there was um, Schofield's pathway to playing time was a little bit more blocked I think, um, there in D.C. And I think maybe, uh, depending on how things go at OKC, he might be able to get a little bit more run out there. We will see. Uh, and for Josh Richardson, I think it was just a matter of uh, they wanted more pure shooters to put around uh, Embiid and Simmons. And so Daryl Morey, who the GM who went from Houston to recently uh, to Philadelphia, I think he wanted to put more shooters around those two stars. And so they took defense first, uh, versatile Josh Richardson, and didn't really see him fitting as well into that picture. So they sent him uh, out to Dallas, which is closer to his Oklahoma home, actually. So Oklahoma uh, hometown, I should say. So uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, Josh Richardson's NBA life. You go from Miami to uh, to then you go to Philadelphia and then you go to Dallas. So lots and lots of uh, lifestyle changes there. Uh, also in the news this week, um, uh, Ryan, we'll talk about this quickly here. I think the the dead period for recruiting for football has been extended. Um, and and explain that for for people who are not like absolute recruit nicks, people who don't just know everything about recruiting explain to these people what this means for Tennessee and and sort of what what the process is and why it's happening uh yeah this is a this is a big deal it's something that we've seen obviously throughout the year with them extending the dead period and uh it's it's um it's not a surprise that this has happened but it was already uh scheduled to run through January 1st now it's been extended through April 15 uh and this so this obviously goes not just through signing day in early February, but into the spring of next year. So uh, pretty, pretty big move to go ahead and extend it three and a half months further. And, uh, and this, so that's obviously going to impact class of 2022 prospects. You know, we normally see a lot of junior days in January and in March, uh, you know, spring practice visits, things like that. This ensures that, uh, that that will be taken care of. Um, uh, so, so no, no visits essentially through spring practice next year, you know, maybe if it goes far enough, you might get to have some visitors for your spring game if things go according to plan and, and the dead period uh, can finally end in April. But um, this means the class of 2021, those players down the stretch will not be able to take official and unofficial visits. It means coaches will not be able to go on the road at any point leading up to national signing day. Um, so it's a, uh, it, it's no doubt it's it's not something that's you know unexpected obviously with where things are in the pandemic but uh it's something that obviously is a major disappointment to players across the country and uh i, I think we'll uh we'll, we'll continue to see uh players across across the country having to make decisions without taking visits you know some have sort of taken matters into their own hands in the past several months and just driven to campuses on their own here and there when they've gotten a chance and 
the few that are able to do that, I think that's, that's good to do that, but uh, not, not many kids I, I don't think are doing that, or it's not a high percentage yet. And uh, we'll, we'll see if that changes down the stretch, but that means a lot of players are making decisions or final decisions in some cases based on virtual tours and phone conversations and nothing more than that. And that's uh, it's a tough spot to be in for recruits. So I feel bad for the players across the country that are having to do that. It's uh, it's tough on college coaches too, who can't get out and, you know, attend games, can't really evaluate, can't meet these players face to face to, to verify heights and weights or anything like that. So it's uh it's, it's a tough spot for everybody, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation. And now we know that this, this 2021 class is basically going to be assembled virtually uh, without anybody ever setting foot on campuses for true recruiting visits. And uh, it's, a, it's obviously a setback for everybody. Ryan, pretty quickly, I, I, I want to mention two things here. One, I think it's – I am very disappointed for the players. Uh, I, I hate this for them. Uh, and, and I hate that coaches can't get out there and evaluate them in person because – you know, there's a lot more things you can learn about a kid in person. There just is. I mean, you know, it's it's it's, it's different uh, when you can go out there and they get to play more games and you get to see them. So so things, I hate that for both of them. Uh, but with that said, Tennessee handled the extended period dead period last time really really well. So is this, you know, with all kind of the alleged turmoil and things going on at Tennessee, is this the worst thing for Tennessee? I would argue off the top of my head, I don't think it is. Yeah, if you're talking about playing defense on on Tennessee's current commitments, and, and obviously this is a class that's uh, you know not ranked as high as it was in the spring when they climbed up to as high as number two, you know they're down to number eleven now uh, in the national rankings, but still a good class has some good players in it. Uh, when you talk about playing defense on those guys, I think it is easier for to do that in a dead period where guys can't take those five free official visits and can't uh, can't you know meet with head coaches in their homes down the stretch. Uh, those in those in-person visits leading up to sign day are always a big deal. And it's just tougher to, to, to fend off some of these schools when, the, when a lot of these really good recruiters go out and sit in the living rooms with parents and, and, and players. And uh, sometimes you can convince a kid to back out on a long time commitment. So that, d- that does make it easier for Tennessee. On the other hand, they're still looking to add to their class and obviously Tennessee not having, not, not having a great season to this point, you know, not having, not being a hot name in recruiting right now because of that. Uh, that that makes it a little bit harder for them to go out and sell some of the guys they're trying to close on. They're and, still in the and, mix unless some... maybe if you're trying to sell an easier pathway to playing time, maybe it's not the worst. Sure. Thing. Yeah. And that's not to say you can't win battles, but it is just, just as it's uh, an advantage for Tennessee and holding on to some of its players, it's maybe a disadvantage or at least makes your job just a little bit tougher. If you're, if you're a school pursuing a player uh, it, it's, it's, tough for everybody, but, uh, but it, it does make it a little more difficult maybe to go out there and win some of those battles when, you know, when you're not winning, you know, one of the things Tennessee always has uh, working in its favor is they put on a good show on official visits. They uh, they've got a really impressive campus, impressive facilities. They show, show players a good time generally on those 48 hour visits. So uh, you can get a lot of things done when you get a player on campus and that, that gives you a good chance of closing. Well, now you don't get that advantage if you're Tennessee. That that's a that that hurts. You know you're you're often competing with schools that you have some uh, some things where you maybe have an upper hand naturally just with your facilities and everything you have to offer. So uh, yeah, not being able to sell all that in person is a setback, sure. But you know, hey, you still got those things to sell. You just got to get creative and do it virtually and and take advantage of the of the things you do have at your disposal. And Jeremy Pruitt made it clear they're trying to do everything they can to to sell all that virtually and you know get players to know people throughout the program, not just coaches, but they're getting people like, you know, Ashley Smith on the support staff involved, 
um, you know, the strength staff, people like that, they're doing what they can to still take advantage of everything they have to sell and just do it all by, by phone and by zoom conferences. Yeah. It's hard to look at it as a binary thing, but you know, I, I still think it's probably, I think there might be more good than bad for Tennessee with this right now. Um, but I mean, I, I understand that there's also some bad. So, and I understand if you don't want to, to, to say this is good or this is bad because there's, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but just looking at it from the outside with the obvious caveat that I don't know as much as recruiting about you know, as much about recruiting as you do, I think in Tennessee's current situation, it might be more good than bad, but I don't know. It's kind of, it's yeah. kind of tough to say. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I would generally think that's the case just because you're, you know, in Tennessee's case, you're not, you're not looking to, to add too many more guys to this class. You know, you've got 26 commitments. We've always assumed there's going to be some turnover down the stretch uh, and, and that may de- vary depending on how many more guys Tennessee can add. Uh, but the fact that you still got some work to do, maybe not as big of a deal because you already have that many commitments. And again, when you're playing defense on those types of guys, probably probably a little bit easier to do that down the stretch when, when kids can't take visits and can't meet with coaches. So, uh, yeah, generally speaking, probably not a bad thing for Tennessee this year, but uh, it, it creates challenges for everybody. You just got to make the best of it. And, and we know Tennessee did in the spring. They, they got ahead. They adapted to this earlier and, and quicker probably than some schools did or, or were very aggressive in pursuing some guys during the early months of the dead period. Now they've got to continue to, to implement that plan that worked for them this spring and continue to outwork people uh, and, and build strong relationships by phone. And they've, they've shown they can do it. Now we'll see if they can continue that. In other news this week, uh, Tennessee Athletic Director Philip Fulmer uh, has been extended, basically, for another two years as, as Athletic Director. His original deal uh, was set to expire. Uh, his, I guess you could say his initial initial deal was set to expire at the end of 2021. Uh, it's been extended two years, uh, and this was actually done in May but Tennessee did not want to announce it then. So I, I get why Tennessee – and Tennessee didn't really want to announce it yet anyway because they were trying to – you know, they, during a pandemic wasn't the time they really wanted to be boasting about that or, or, or talking about, you know, these kinds of things. But the Knoxville News Sentinel's Blake Topmeyer, good reporter, did his job, uh, got the information uh, from Freedom of Information requests, and, and Philip Fulmer did in May sign a two-year extension. Uh, but I, I don't think – there are some people kind of hand-wringing over this because of the timing of it, because of, you know, it's a pandemic economically. Also, this is probably the biggest reason football is not doing well. Philip Fulmer's uh, coaching hire, his first head coaching hire in football uh, is in his third year and, and is having a rough year, not handling uh, some things uh, probably as well as they should be right now. So that led to some hand-wringing, consternation, whatever word you want to use. I'll be honest, Ryan, this does not bother me at all. I knew when Philip Fulmer got the job as Tennessee's athletic director, he said he just wanted to do it, you know, maybe temporarily see where things go. I didn't buy that for a second. I knew once he got in there, he would not want to leave. He wants to stay. And I think on the balance of things overall, this is not a significant pay raise for him. Uh, it's not. And he's taken a pay reduction, a pretty significant one this year anyway. And I think you can look at the way things are going in men's basketball. That negotiation he had with Rick Barnes was not the uh, not the smoothest, but it got done. And Tennessee basketball is still on a major upswing. Tennessee baseball is, is resurrecting itself. He, he's doing a good job supporting those guys. We'll see what's going on with women's basketball. Other sports doing okay. Uh, I, I I don't hate this move because I think stability in this department is something that's desperately needed and. If Philip Fulmer is the guy who can just be stable and kind of get things, you know, at least settled, 
I really don't hate this move. I know that the jury is out on the Pruitt thing, Ryan, but I, I, I don't I don't hate this decision from Tennessee. I really don't. Yeah, I, I and and frankly, the a little bit of the you know hand wringing or people upset about this or whatever. I, I don't quite understand it because uh, I, I don't see where Philip Fulmer hasn't done a good job. Uh, you know, even if you're, even if you're judging him solely based on the fact that the football program is having a tough third year under Jeremy Pruitt, uh, you know, do you, do you throw that entirely on Philip Fulmer, you know, at that, at that point in the search where he took over, uh, you know, I think to, to pin any of that on, on him when he took over in a pretty tough spot, uh, I think it's kind of short-sighted. Like when, like you said, other sports under his watch have, have definitely gone in the right direction. And, uh, and I think he's done a good job of overseeing the football program so that regardless of how it turns out with Jeremy Pruitt, they're devoting more resources to football. They've got a lot of the infrastructure in place with the larger staff and a lot of the things they needed to get accomplished on the football side of things to, to be more competitive with the teams at the top of the league. They've done that so that now they are in a much better position uh, to, to catch up to those teams that have been ahead of them in recent years. So I, I don't think you can really fault Philip Fulmer for, for a lot that he's done as athletic director. And I, I agree. I think extending him is a pretty natural move. You're not giving him a big raise during this time when, when, when money is tight for everybody and uh, what they, what they did seems to make a lot of sense on, on, on all fronts. So uh, having that stability, I think is a good thing. And, and Philip Fulmer's, I think, frankly, overall done a really good job as athletic director. Here's why I'm on this before we go to break. I, I think that, for the longest time, Tennessee has lacked synergy, you know, with the leadership. And people use that word as a buzzword, and they say it's, it's you know, people use it too much, and it's not just about that. I, I that, that results speak for themselves. I think Tennessee got into the position it got into as a, as a department over the years for several reasons. I, I think mainly there were some just bad decisions made and, and, and bad personnel decisions. Uh, but another was that there were factions. There were people, th- there were different groups within the department who did not trust each other, who did not particularly like each other. Right now, when you look at the synergy w- with athletics and the university, uh, Fulmer and Don Plowman, the chancellor of UT Knoxville, have a great relationship. Fulmer and the UT system president, Randy Boyd, have a great relationship. Fulmer and, um, pr- you know, UT president uh, emeritus Joe uh, DiPietro, th- they they have a great relationship. Those people get along, they trust each other, they communicate well with each other, and I think they can sit down and make some decisions that will help the university. I, I don't I think that is so overlooked because you know for years Tennessee had that kind of revolving president and chancellor role, right? Where they would make a, a hire, it didn't work out, you know, it was bad hire, then they go hire someone else, wasn't a good fit. And the same you know, that happened with athletics, but it also happened within the university itself. And, and I think now, and I know a lot of people who work over at UT, you can't live in Knoxville and not know a lot of people who work at UT. I mean, this isn't like Auburn or Oxford or Athens. I mean, it's a, it's a million people in the metro area. So it's, you know, it's not like um, it's more comparable to probably the other UT in Austin than it is some of the other SEC programs. But bottom line is it's hard to live in the city and not know people who work for UT. And so we all know a lot of people who work for UT. That's our job to know them, you know, me and you, Ryan, and other guys. I, I think they genuinely have a good relationship, and I think that's a good thing for the university. I know football is struggling right now. I will not deny that for one second. But, listen, I'm not carrying water for anybody. I'm just saying I think it's good that they have people in those positions who like and trust and respect each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and 
I mean, we always kind of thought that Philip Fulmer had a skill set that that uh, would play well at, at, in an athletic director role. I think he's shown that so far, and some of that goes to what you're talking about being being able to work with administrators well, being able to work with donors well. Uh, in some cases, you know, maybe maybe calm things down with donors and assure them you've got things under control, or or, or try to maintain control of a uh, of a situation when donors are wanting to to have more of a voice. You know, those things. That, that's where Philip Fulmer really thrives. He, he's been good at the, you know, sort of the politicking angle of the job uh, for years. And I, I think he continues to show that. So, uh, you know, again, for that and, and many other reasons, I just, I, I think it's okay. It's good to have stability in a position like that. You know, we've seen examples in the past of athletic directors who didn't have things completely under control at Tennessee. And I definitely don't think they're there right now with Philip Fulmer. I don't see any reason not to extend his contract and, uh, I think overall you have to be pretty pleased with the job he's done, even if you are uh, disappointed in where, where this season has gone on the football front for Tennessee. And, and again, I don't think you hold Philip Fulmer responsible for any, any problems they're having on the football front. I definitely don't think it's because of anything he did wrong. And I, I you know, for people that have been assuming that if, you know, if things go south for Jeremy Pruitt, that means bad things for Philip Fulmer's future. I always thought that was sort of, you know, maybe premature. I, I don't know if that was a fair, assessment of the situation and and you know again jeremy pruitt's story is yet to be written at tennessee uh but i definitely don't think people assuming that you know pruitt's in any sort of trouble so fulmer is too i I don't think that was ever necessarily the reality i think he's done a pretty good job and i think the administrators are happy with him right now it's also kind of crazy to believe that that philip fulmer is now a septuagenarian you know I, i wouldn't have he's 70 years old now and he looks younger, I think, than he did when he was like 57 or 58. So, uh, you know, it, it's uh, I think the role suits him pretty well there. I, I think that I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't expect Philip Fulmer to be the greatest athletic director in the history of the world. Uh, but I also think there's no one on this planet who loves the University of Tennessee more than he does. There might be people who yep. love it as much as him. But I don't think there's anyone who loves the university more than he does. And I think he has a tremendous amount of care and pride in what he's doing. And I think he's going to make some mistakes. We saw that during the Barnes negotiation, frankly where I sure. think he took some things for granted and learned a lesson that, hey, I almost that almost became a really big problem. But you know what? Uh, just like he did several times in recruiting, he, he figured out a way to fix it late and got it done. And uh, I, think, I think things are looking okay overall. I mean, it's been a horrible year. They're going to lose $40 million probably in revenue, ballpark. So, I mean, it, it's tough. But I think they're handling things pretty well. I think his leadership's been pretty stable. And, and I think that – I don't hate this for Tennessee at all. I, I just – I just don't. Uh, Guys, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're going to come back. Tennessee, uh, knock on wood, again, knock on wood, is playing a football game again on Saturday, going to Auburn, Alabama, facing the 23rd-ranked Auburn Tigers in a really interesting matchup, a really important matchup. And there's a lot to discuss about that game, and, and we'll do that when we come back here after we pay some bills here in just a second. Hashtag ad... Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon, Thursday late afternoon. Uh, Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town in Knoxville in the uh, that clown car full of children, that home daycare center that he calls a home over there in the burbs. Got a lot to discuss here. Tennessee football playing Auburn on Saturday, traveling to the Plains for the second time in in three years. So big, big news there. Big news on matchups and and personnel things. And there's lots of interesting things to discuss about that game. Before we get into that, uh, I will say quickly again, I'll ask you again, if you could please go in there and rate and review this podcast, that would help us a good bit. You know, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the Google Marketplace, Anywhere you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We're, we're, we're on blast. We're everywhere. And the numbers are going up every week, literally every week. It's really fun to watch this thing grow. I love the numbers. I love where this thing is going. But I also know it can keep growing. And the one thing that you can do to help us grow this thing, which, again, we're doing for free, and we're happy to do that. We really are. We're happy to do this for free. It's a labor of love. But the one thing we're going to ask you to do, well, sort of two things, but if you could tell, keep telling friends and family, keep passing it around, uh, keep sharing it, keep uh, linking it on your Facebook pages, keep sending text messages with links to people, you know, help us grow this thing. But you can also go in there and just take a minute out of your day. I would say a second, but let's be honest. It'll probably take a couple minutes. Go in and rate and review this podcast and leave a comment below. If you do that, that helps us it's just hard to put into words how much that helps the podcast continue to grow. It, it's the biggest thing. It puts us up near the top on, on trending things and searches, puts it on blast for everybody. It's really important that we keep getting those because I can see how many people are listening and, and the number of ratings and reviews and comments are not, are, are not matching up to that right now. So that's good because it lets me know that, you know, once y'all start doing that really in mass, man, this thing's going to take off. Um, but it's also, it sucks because it hadn't happened yet. So, so go in there, take a minute out of your day and do that. Uh, tell us what you like. We'd love a five-star rating, but I'm not going to ask you to do that. Everyone says give a five-star rating. I'm just going to ask that you give us whatever you think. Just be honest with us. That's fine. We can take constructive criticism. Go in there and tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, uh, and leave us some suggestions. If there's people you want us to talk with, topics you want to hear us discuss, we might do some merch giveaways with that. Payola, we will buy your love. We won't be ashamed about that. Just go in there and do that, please. It'll just take it'll, it'll take less time for you to do that than it took for me to explain the thing to you. That, <laughs> that's how I'll put it. So please just go in there 
and do that. Ryan, Tennessee is heading to the plains of Alabama, Jordan-Hare Stadium, on uh, on Saturday night to, to play under the lights, war against the, the War Eagle soaring around the, the air. Big, big game. Or, or actually, Ryan, are they allowed to do that? Because you can't have the live mascots in the stadium, so you can't do that now, can you? Yeah, I was going to say this year, I, I remember reading a story before the season, I don't think they're allowed to, to have the War Eagle there. Maybe they could use a drone or something. I don't know. Technology is pretty good. But that's that's one of my favorite things in college football. There are a few places. Um, I love it when Tennessee and Auburn play for many reasons. One, because I think those are two of the five best fight songs in all of college sports, hands down, uh, with Rocky Top and War Eagle. Great songs, great fan bases. Um, you know, I love the traditions at both places. Uh, and and Jordan Hare Stadium, to me, people talk about the difference in playing LSU at night and during the day. I think Auburn's probably second in the league in that way because when you go to play at a big game, and I've covered Tennessee playing there, I've covered South Carolina and others playing at Auburn. I've seen some different games there and covered some different games there. The difference in an Auburn game when it's not a big game to where it's a big game at night is a tremendous difference. Now, will that matter as much with the COVID-affected crowds? We'll see. But bottom line, Tennessee is going to play a team that's kind of hard to put a gauge on with, with Auburn. Ryan, when you look at Auburn, I have a hard time figuring out how that team lost to South Carolina, uh, should have lost, by all accounts, should have lost to Arkansas if a call had been made correctly probably, um, but also went out there and has played some really dynamic offense at times, just put the wood to LSU, um, which also put the wood to South Carolina, so try to figure that out. I have a hard time kind of figuring out where this Auburn team is. I think it's a better team than Tennessee, but I don't know how much better it is. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I, I I will say I got to watch them really for the first time this year. Uh, a lot of their game against LSU a few weeks ago, and that was uh, that was probably the high water mark of their season. They yes. they played really well in that game. Uh, LSU obviously having some issues too, but uh, I, I thought Auburn looked really good that day. And before that, you know, from everything I've heard and seen from them, I think they were much more up and down before that game. So the last couple games, I think they've started to put some things together. They're running the ball better. And, uh, and just across the board, though, there's a lot of talent. I mean, I think that offensive line playing better is a big part of why they've played better the last couple games. But they've got some things that are really tough to match up with. Uh, just, you know, what they have at wide receiver, I think, sort of embodies what Auburn has across the board you've got one wide receiver anthony schwartz uh that's got great speed and uh is probably as fast as anybody in the country and then the other receiver seth williams a guy with great size that can go up and get it uh, against anybody so uh when you look at a couple receivers like that that that's just uh that's just tough to to match up with and uh and then on you know that quarterback bo Nix, you know running back tank bigsby's making an impact as a freshman still got some talented guys on defense uh, really at every level of the defense. So that they're, they're physically an impressive team. They always are. And, and I think that that's enough to, to put some fear in you going down there, but it's also a team that's inconsistent enough that I think Tennessee has to go into this game thinking it's got a real chance to win. As we saw two years ago, an Auburn team that was again, inconsistent, probably not playing as well at that time as, as they are now, but that Auburn team a couple of years ago, obviously, was probably better than it looked that day against Tennessee, but Tennessee caught them on the right day, made some big plays in the passing game, scored a touchdown on defense and pulled the upset. You know, that's to me, uh, you, you need a similar formula in this game. It doesn't take being better than Auburn every day. You just got to be better than them on one day. And, and I think Auburn's the type of team where that type of game is possible. So like you said, we don't know how much better than Tennessee Auburn is. I, I agree. They're probably the better team, but 
they're also inconsistent enough that I think you look at this game as an opportunity for Tennessee. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that, that we've discussed a little bit before, and, and I think it, it's pertinent, I think it might be more pertinent than people think, is that Jeremy Pruitt and Gus Malzahn have been going against each other for years. And a lot of Jeremy Pruitt defenses have given Gus Malzahn offenses some problems. Now, now there have also been some times where Malzahn's gotten the, the better of him, but, but more, much more often than not, Pruitt's done a really good job of bottling up this offense. And you could say when he was in Alabama and Georgia, he did that because, well, he was in Alabama and Georgia. Look at the talent that they had available. Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, but two years ago uh, with Tennessee, uh, they went down there and really contained. I know Schwartz had the big play, but but mostly contained an Auburn offense that that was pretty good, pretty decent. So I I don't I don't know why exactly, but I think that matters going into this game because Tennessee. Uh, you you watch film of this offense and you see some of the explosive playmakers, but you also see that you know this coach knows how to he knows how to contain this. So if they just execute the plan, they might have a chance to not give up a billion points in this game. Maybe. Yeah, and and, and again again, I think Auburn's inconsistency plays into that too. Uh, if they can get back to that point that they were at earlier this year, where they were not necessarily lighting it up every game. Uh, that's a that's a beatable Auburn team. What you saw out there the first few games, you know, Arkansas, a team that Tennessee led at halftime, thirteen nothing. That team should have beaten Auburn. You know, they had them not only on the ropes, they they were in position to to win that game in the final final seconds before uh, a controversial call, obviously, went against Arkansas and, and cost them that game. So that 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 should tell you sort of where Auburn is at least capable of playing at a level that Tennessee can beat. Um, so you know they're. There, there are reasons to be optimistic about this game if you're a Tennessee fan. Now, now that said, again, I think Auburn's got talent all, all over the field. I think they're good enough to compete with with pretty much anybody in this conference. Uh, you know, they they often put a scare into Alabama, even when they're not as good as Alabama. So, th- this is going to be a tough game for Tennessee. But yeah, a- again, there there are enough flaws uh, on that roster or things about them that are that are inconsistent that I, I think this is a uh, a game Tennessee uh, among among these final four games if there's a game they could steal that could swing the rest of this season for Tennessee it's this one they've got to view this as a as a massive opportunity for this program to sort of get things headed in the right direction going down the stretch because if you if you find a way to pull this upset and you beat Vanderbilt next week you get back to 500 going into the final two games that puts this year in a totally different light compared to if they go into this game and lose by 17 or 21 at Auburn and it's more of kind of the same of what we've seen lately. So I think this is a huge it's a it's it's another turning point in the season, honestly. We saw we thought the Arkansas game was. I think this one has a chance to be that if Tennessee can play well. Yeah, this would very clearly be uh, of the final four games in this regular season, t- Tennessee will be an underdog in three of the four. We we know that. Uh this would be, even though it's on the road at night, probably I think it's the most winnable uh, of the three. I think you could probably argue that I think you could be you could make an argument that that Auburn on the road right now would be a slightly more winnable game than A and M at home right now. Maybe yeah. I think you could make that's, that argument. Um, but that's what the Vegas lines showed. Yeah, it was about twelve, twelve and a half is what it opened for Texas A and M last week before that game was canceled and or postponed, and then this week opened at what Auburn by ten and a half. So that, that's about right. Yeah. Now, if you are, let's say, the contrarian view on this would be that you would say. Wes and Ryan, you idiots, why does history matter? Tennessee always beats Kentucky in Neyland Stadium, and this team didn't do that. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. You got us there. Um, And I think 
the frustrating thing about this is you just don't it's hard to look at the way Tennessee's playing right now because I mean we keep talking about Auburn in that matchup but a lot of this comes down to just which Tennessee team shows up because mm-hmm. Auburn is going to Auburn's its own enigma, right? Auburn is always an enigma. You think Auburn's going to be good, it ends up being bad. You think Auburn's going to be mediocre, it ends up winning the SEC or a national title. You never know with Auburn, right? A few places in the country consistently have as much drama as Tennessee does. Auburn might be one of those places, right? I mean, is Gus Malzahn getting a billion dollar extension or is he getting on the hot seat? You never really know. It just depends. But often both. Yeah, at the same time, why not? Um, so you look at this. And you you see that, but then you what I keep coming back to is this when I keep thinking about this game, and I catch myself doing this, Ryan. I look at matchups and history and, and some of these some of these things that I think Tennessee can do against Auburn and some of the places Auburn can hurt Tennessee. And I keep thinking that uh, I'm doing something that I consistently gripe about coaches doing, which is missing the forest for the trees because I'm sitting here talking about trees when maybe the most important thing is the freaking forest. And the forest right now is that Tennessee is playing garbage football. It just is. Uh, it's not doing anything worth the flip offensively. Uh, it's inconsistent defensively. Special teams, okay. Um, not bad, could be better, but but overall, okay. Uh, there's just – I'm looking at this team right now compared to last season, and I think the only place I can see for sure that they're playing at least a little bit better – is with run blocking offensively, and it's still not great. It's still not even that good. It's just better than last season when it was so terrible. So I, I, I just have a hard time seeing what this team can do with another open date. How many things can get fixed, right? You know, you, you expect that there are some things, like, for instance, the tight end position. That's just going to be a problem this season. It just is. You look at it. Uh, you look at the, the 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 available options that they have. You 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 look at that and go, I don't I don't know if they can I don't know if they can fix that right now. But you look at other areas on the team and you say, hmm, if you plug in some of those freshman receivers that, that are younger, faster, will they get more separation? Will they make some more plays? Uh, you look at you know can the can the edge rushers maybe get in there and make a few more plays? Statistically, they probably could. The defensive line could play a lot better. I mean, there are things that you can you can look at and say, okay, I think maybe they could get better there. But where do you think this team realistically, realistically can get better before the season ends? I I mean, well, let's, let's start with the obvious, what a lot of fans I think are, are going to be wondering going into this game. Uh, will they make a change at quarterback? Um, I don't know that that makes Tennessee any better if they do consider a change there, but that's one area where if you're looking for – Maybe not a quick fix, but for more upside, um, that's one place you could find it. Um, but let, let's assume, though, that that's you know, not the answer. Let's assume that you stick with the same lineup. I, I, think, I think the Arkansas game, you, I, I don't want to say they were experimenting, but I think that was a, a unique game plan maybe in the sense that they felt that there was ever a game for them to, as you said, take advantage of the fact that they're run blocking a little better, you know, at least lately, than they, than they did last year. You know, do you, you you try to take advantage of that and take the game out of your quarterback's hands and you run the ball 50 times against Arkansas. Can you win like that? And I think they got the answer, which is probably not. No, you cannot manage games offensively right now and win them in the SEC or yeah. pretty much anywhere in college football because you need to go into every game planning to score 30 to 35 points at least if you want to win. Yep. 
Agreed. So, uh, and that game two years ago, I think is maybe a timely reminder because it's come up a lot this week, obviously with, you know, Jared Garantano still around and, and, you know, even though you don't have Marquez Callaway and Jawan Jennings that were so important to that game, uh, Jennings, especially, you don't have everybody around that was on that team, but you do have some important players that were on that team. And so maybe it's a timely reminder that even though things didn't go perfectly for Tennessee in that game across the board, they didn't run the ball well. You know, they got down by double digits early in that game. They fought back. They made some big plays on offense. Jared Garantano threw a lot of deep balls, especially on third and long that he just hit. Receivers made plays. He made good throws. And they got a defensive touchdown, and they ended up leading by double digits before Arkansas or before Auburn tacked on a late touchdown to cut it to, to the final margin of six. And Tennessee held on for the win. So that's a reminder that you don't have to play perfectly. You just need some explosive plays. You need to win the turnover battle when you're a team like Tennessee that has such small mar- uh, such a small margin for error, do those things play played pretty well at the line of scrimmage on defense and you've got a chance to win. And I, I, I think Tennessee is capable of doing those things with that would a lot have to go their way. Sure. Um, but if, if Jarrett Garantano is on his game, he's shown even this year, he can throw a nice deep ball. You've got some receivers like Josh Palmer who can go up and get it. You know, do they maybe mix in some of those freshman receivers more where Jalen Hyatt, Malachi Weidman, some of those guys can give you some additional dynamics at receiver. You've got some things to work with there. You know you've got to throw it more than you did against Arkansas. Go win it that way. Go push the ball down the field. So I think maybe some additional offensive wrinkles give you a chance. But the main thing to me has got to be do what you do well on offense. And right now one of the few things we know they do well is they throw it down the field pretty well. Take some shots down the field. See if you can hit some big plays. And if you do, maybe you can stick around in this game. Yeah, and I think that's – you know, that that leads me to, I think, what was a good question posed by our coworker Patrick Brown in this week's Go Boss 24-7 Roundtable, which was for our VIP subscribers. Um, so I, I, I'll keep some of that stuff there. But I, I think the, the general gist of his question was a good one and pretty simple one, which, which is simply, what would be a good season for Tennessee now? What would, what would need to happen down the stretch for you to have – more confidence heading into next season. And my answer to that was, um, I don't want to say complicated, but I, I don't I don't think if you're Tennessee, you ever want to get to a point where the results don't matter. Um, the results do matter. You are Tennessee. You're one of the winningest programs in the history of college football. You know, y- your goal should always be to go out there and, and win games, and you should never be satisfied with losing. But I'm saying with the way things have gone this season – and with the the big picture, when you're looking at, you know, can this coaching staff, can this group of players play better in the future? Can they play better next season? What I would like to see, for me, is pretty simple. I want to see more fight. And I know that is such a generic thing to say that sometimes when fans say it, I roll my eyes. But what I mean by that is last season, Tennessee – even when it won six consecutive games to end the season, was not playing great football. That team could have played much better than it did. But what that team did do was it stayed tough. It stayed tough mentally. It stayed tough physically. Jared Garantano did both of those things, mentally and physically stayed tough. And they went out there and they fought back and they found ways to kind of scratch and claw out wins. This season, with the way things are going in the second half, we're not seeing that. Uh, when Georgia turned the tide against Tennessee, it got ugly. When Kentucky uh, got ahead of Tennessee there, it got ugly. Tennessee did not fight back. 
Arkansas, do we need to rehash that? Just a complete capitulation in the second half and, and just not an aggressive mindset at all. And, and what I want to see from this team is I want to see more fight. I want to see more aggression. I want to see that it cares. I want to see that it's not going to just sit there and let bad things happen. And that, to me, tells me a lot of what I need to know about where this thing could go moving forward. That, to me, is really important because – you have to have that. If you want to be a good program, if you want to be a good team, you have to have that toughness. You have to stand up. And I'm not talking about the cheap shots like the Kentucky game. I'm not talking about kicking someone in, in the kibbles and bits when they're, you know, when they're, after a play. I'm not talking about getting cheap shot personal foul penalties. That's not what I mean by show some fight. What I mean is go out there and play tougher. Go out there and get in somebody's face if you have to. Go out there and have more pride, show more pride in what you're doing. If they can do that, Ryan, I think they can, you know, it won't change everything. But if they can just do that, to me, that's the start of making this thing better. Yeah, I I mean, that's – and a lot goes into that. I think sometimes, you know, not looking like you're showing much fight can just be as simple as being bad on offense. Sure, sure. And especially at quarterback. And I think that's some of what we have seen lately from Tennessee – when you don't have an answer at the quarterback position, it's hard to put up a fight, you know, and that's frankly what's gone wrong uh, in a, in a couple of Tennessee's worst seasons over the past 15 years, you know, 2008, that was one of the most wretched offenses I've seen. Yeah. At, I, sh- I, sh- I shuddered thinking about it. Ooh, it was bad. I mean, they played three different quarterbacks and, and down the stretch kind of played musical chairs at that position. They just had nothing. They just had to keep w- trying with the guy things. who's now putting up video game numbers at Wake Forest. Yep. And with uh, with a couple future NFL running backs in that backfield, so you had uh, you had some talent on that team, and it still didn't matter because uh, what you had at quarterback was awful at the time. Um, in 2005, similar deal. Had a couple of good quarterbacks that just didn't play well that year, uh, and and that wasted a good defense. And certainly 2017, you know, Tennessee had all sorts of trouble that year. Injuries on the offensive line, injuries at quarterback, and they just they weren't getting good play out of the quarterback position that year either. So you've seen what can happen when your quarterback plays bad. It can make a team look uninterested sometimes when that's not always the case. Uh, but I, I do think you're right. They, they've got to put up a better fight. They've got to stay more mentally tough. I, I think this team is missing some of the leadership they had last year. You know, I, I think leadership as a whole can and, get. And that to me oh. is so disappointing because I think there are some guys in this bunch who should be better leaders. I'm just going to yeah, say it. it and, and, and sometimes I, I think leadership can get way overblown. Sometimes talent sure. overcomes leadership a lot of times, sure. but, uh, but I do think it's something this team is, is maybe missing. And uh, that's, that's something that this, I, I don't know that you can fix that this year. Uh, and I'm not saying the guys in this group are not good kids or that they're not going to be good leaders in time. I just don't think for whatever reason that right now you have the leadership kind of leadership you need. Some of that may come from this team, not being around each other in person a lot, frankly, you know, I think some of that, may come from just the unusual circumstances of this year. It's hard to develop leadership when you're meeting by zoom and stuff like that all the time. It's a, it's a weird year to have natural leaders emerge. So uh, maybe some of that's not really on, on this team, but I do think that's something that could be missing. And and yeah, for whatever reason, when they get, when they get down, they've not, they've not been responding well. So uh, let's see if they, they can change that. You know, again, that Auburn game two years ago is a reminder you can get down double digits and fight back and win. Um, they've got to they've got to heed that lesson this week and make make sure if, if Auburn you know gets some momentum in the game they don't they don't immediately quit or or 
or refuse to bounce back, they've got to find a counterpunch. And this team needs a counterpunch, uh, you know, whether it's schematically or, or doing something different offensively, they need a counterpunch, but they've got to be able to deliver it too when it gets to that point in the game. Yeah, and, and the reason I'm talking about that, guys, is, is because there, there are two separate discussions right now. One would be what you need to do after this season. And if you're Tennessee after the season, I think you have to sit down, and and I think everyone knows this, you have to take a pretty good, long, hard look at what you're doing and who is coaching at certain positions. I think you have to look at that offensive line. Uh, You have to look at Will Friend. I think you have to look at the quarterback's coach. You have to look at Chris Winkie. You have to look at those positions, and you have to say, why is there not enough development there? Is this something that these guys can fix, or is this something where you have to bring in new assistants to do that? Those are all well and good. Those are discussions that that we could have right now if you wanted to, but I I think the reason we're not doing that is because the Brumbaugh thing, Jimmy Brumbaugh thing, was kind of an outlier. You're not going to usually see something like that. They're they're not going to just replace the rest of these guys midseason this is what they have right now. So in the offseason, we can talk about, okay, you know, transfer market, okay, uh, maybe some some tweaks on the offensive staff. I get that. But right now, I'm putting this under two categories. There are things you can control and things you cannot control. And right now, if you're Tennessee, you have four more games to play, knock on wood, the rest of the season, at least four more games. And you look at that and you say, what can I control? What can I do? And if you're Tennessee, what you can do is you can show more fight. That's what you can do. You have those opportunities and practice every day during the week, uh, or at least six days a week, five days a week, whatever it is. You have those opportunities for three to four hours on Saturday. You can go out there and you can give more during that time. And if a team punches you in the mouth, you can decide that you want to hit them back and not just sit there and take it. You know, if you're going to, it's like in baseball, the go, don't look at strike three. Tennessee is looking at strike three consistently in the second half of this season. And I, I think that starts obviously with coaches, but you can't dismiss the element of the players in this. I say, I've said this for years. Coaches obviously are the ones in charge, but players have a huge responsibility to go out there and have pride if they're getting punched in the mouth. And this group, has been capable because people talk about the the lack of adjustments made in the second half and you know how teams are out scheming Tennessee in the second half they're having answers Tennessee doesn't have okay yeah that's fine we've had that discussion we can have it again but what I'm talking about right now is the players on the team that are out there I really thought something Valus Jones Jr. said this week is something that I've always agreed with he said that in his mind he doesn't really think of anything as a bad play call because even on the worst play call, you can still go out there and make a play. You can make a play against the guy that you're trying to stop or the guy that you're trying to get past. You can go out there and make a freaking play. And I want to see Tennessee take, you know, you know, last season that team fought back from a lot. I mean, it fought back from a hell of a lot. And it's not doing that right now. And they got to figure out why because that's one thing I think they can control right now in the here and now. Am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think you're wrong, but I, I, I don't know. So, so much of this team, I, it just, it's just hard to read into what, you know, what their problems are sometimes because results and process are so intertwined. You know, and and this this team does that. They need to show more mental toughness. They, they need to get better in every in every area. Really, there's. Correct. I can't think of a. 
That, that's the problem. I can't think you, of a single thing. This, this you've program lost, and this, you've lost four in a row. You, you clearly need to do just about everything better. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and that's, I mean, that, that obviously goes without saying on some levels, but it's just, it's, it's important to keep that in mind, I think, because there's so much this team could do better that improving in any number of areas could, could equal better results. So I, I, I think that's important to keep in mind, but I, I do think, um, yeah, they've, they've got to work, work on, you know, responding well to adversity. They've got to work on, uh, just, just being, being better at each single position group. Um, they, they, they've really got, uh, nowhere to go, but up really on, on offense from where they've been the last four games. I mean, they're averaging fewer than 15 points a game the last four games. And as you said earlier, you're not going to beat anybody these days. So you certainly can't count on beating anybody these days playing that kind of football. Yeah, Vandy can That's beat just, you. Vandy can beat you if you do that. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, you've got to change that. Um, you, you've got to change multiple things if, if you're going to get back on track. And so I, I, it, it's hard for me to, to just point at any one thing and say, that's got to be fixed. But, um, but they've got, they've clearly got to get, they've, they've got to hope this, this, this open date last week that was unplanned, that that gave them a, a chance to get hit the reset button a little bit, maybe get, get a little more creative on offense because they had an open date before the Arkansas game. What they focused on that week clearly didn't equal better results in the Arkansas game. So now a chance to reassess again, you know, does it maybe result in some personnel changes this, this week? Again, I'll be fascinated to see that. We've been looking for freshmen at, at quarterback and at wide receiver. You know, do we continue to see those guys a little bit more, see a little more Harrison Bailey? Do they consider making a quarterback change? I, I don't know that that's likely, but I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out, uh, especially after, after Jared Garantano suffered a concussion uh, just a couple weeks ago. You know, we know he's healthy, but it would be a, a good opportunity to maybe make that change now. I'm, I'm sure fans would love that. So, there's some things you can do to inject some life into this team. Any one of them could yield better results because we've seen this team play better than it has the past three or four weeks. They've just got to, they need something good to happen. I think part of the, what they've been dealing with lately is a confidence issue. I think they just need, sometimes you get in such a rut and you can't get out of it. This team just needs some confidence right now. If they could, if they could play a better game Saturday, I, it could make this team play a lot better down the stretch just from getting something positive to happen again. It is amazing what one play can do, right? I mean, you know, and, and you look at that Arkansas game and, and Tennessee, uh, we talked about this in previous podcasts, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think Tennessee only had like two plays longer than 20 yards in the entire game, and the longest play might have been like 24 yards or something like that. Uh, you just – you need a, you need more splash on offense. If you generate it however you can – you know, Arkansas tried a couple things that just flat out didn't work, but they were trying them, right? I mean, you know, they they tried. They they had a couple. They had a Benny Hill looking drive, but but they tried to do some stuff. Um, or you can get, you know, just a pick six. I mean, we've seen what pick sixes have done against Tennessee. Well, what can they do for Tennessee? You know, what what could a, what could a special teams like a big punt return or a punt block? What could something like that do? Just one big play can change a lot of things, and Tennessee just kind of needs something good to happen. Uh, and and that, that's what I'll close with, Ryan. I, I think that I'll be honest. Um, I am probably I might change my mind tonight, but I'm probably not going to pick Tennessee to cover in this game. Uh, I just don't like what I'm seeing. I think you have to look at it logically and say they could play better. Um, but I why would you expect it at this point? Um, I, I but but what I'm saying is. I am not I'm not giving up on this team. I'm not saying it's not possible because I absolutely think it's possible, but I have a hard time picking it until I see it because you are what you are until you prove you're not. 
and what we've seen from Tennessee the past five weeks or so, uh, that's that's not a blip. That's a trend. So I think it can be reversed, but I don't think I'm going to pick it to happen this week. Yeah, I, I, I've gone back and forth on this one. I don't know. Part of it's Auburn's inconsistency again. You know, they've been off for three weeks. Let's not forget that. This will be their first their first game in three weeks uh, in 21 days. So th- this is a, you know, d- does that level of rust show up in this game from just not having played the, the last two weekends? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from either team in a way in this game. But if, if the same Auburn team that showed up against LSU shows up in this one, I, I could definitely see your scenario being being right. This might be a game Tennessee has a tough time staying close in. Um, but Because um, I just know Auburn's going to make plays. I know that Auburn – Auburn might have a disastrous performance overall, but when you have you know guys like Bigsby uh, and, and the the two receivers, a guy like Schwartz who can run just as well as anybody I've ever seen in this league, you know, th- there's going to be some plays they're going to make. So they're going to put uh, some points on the board. It might not be a ton, um, but they're going to put some points on the board and they're going to make some plays. And I just right now have very little faith that Tennessee will respond to that. Yeah, no, and that's that's totally fair, and that that's the side of me that's tugging at you know, hey, pick Auburn to cover. You're you're probably going to be safe on that one because obviously, yeah, we've seen very little evidence the last couple games that Tennessee is likely to come out and really, really give Auburn a scare because really, I mean, about a ten and a half uh, point spread or so. That, that's anything less of that, you're at least in the game with Auburn probably in the fourth quarter, or you're getting a backdoor cover late where the game's not really in question. You maybe cut it to ten, but you're still not you're not being blown out if you're keeping it that close. And for that to happen, a lot of multiple things are going to have to change from the last couple of games. Tennessee's just not been at that level, but Auburn's a weird team. As you said, Jeremy Pruitt teams have played pretty well against Gus Malzahn in the past. Uh, his, you know, his defenses have done a good job of bottling up his uh, Gus Malzahn's offenses at times. And, and, and this team might have some confidence from going down to Auburn's, the, the players who were around on that team uh, and winning a couple of years ago. So all that combined with, you know, an open date and then, you know, maybe just maybe doing something different offensively, all those possibilities. I just, I can't rule out that Tennessee makes this one interesting and and it's not likely, but I'm not even ruling out the upset for Tennessee. I don't think it's likely again, there's not much evidence. You're kind of taking a leap of faith if you say that, but I'm a little more torn than you on the cover. I I could see that. I I still think I'll pick Auburn to win, but I, I could see it being a seven or 10 point game, especially if Tennessee makes some, some strides somewhere offensively. Yeah. I I, I think that it's, I don't want to rule out the possibility, but I, I look at every like pick we have to make as someone saying, "What if you had to put like a mortgage payment on this?" Yeah, and, and that's because that that's where I think, okay, if you want to be honest, you know, what would you do with real stakes on this game? And with real stakes on this game, if it were real, actual, you know, cash American dollars, I I would have a hard time uh, picking Tennessee to cover in this game. But I have one suggestion, Ryan, and, and maybe. Maybe, maybe try to score in the second half. Maybe. That's the thought. I mean, it's something that, that they could consider. I'm throwing it out there. It's it's a big key. <laughs> maybe, maybe scoring. Maybe either making a field goal, or better yet, getting into the end zone in the second half. That might make a difference. It could matter. Yeah. Now that and let's. It's hard to believe we discussed that many problems for Tennessee and didn't mention the third quarter stuff. But that's. Maybe the number one thing they've got to get fixed is they've got to play better after halftime. I mean, they led Georgia at halftime. They led Arkansas 13 nothing at halftime. They should have been able to win that Arkansas game with a 13-point head start at, uh, to start the second half. But their offense collapsed. 
They gave up some plays on offense. They couldn't, or on defense, they couldn't stop Arkansas in the third quarter of that game. Gave up what 257 yards and 24 points in one quarter. I mean, that's mind blowing for a defense to get uh, just ripped apart up and down the field on four drives like that. So they just got to play better in the third quarter. If they could have done that in either of those two games, who knows what the final score ends up being? They probably, maybe they don't beat Georgia. Um, but you, you probably have a pretty good chance of holding on against Arkansas if you can survive that third quarter without a disaster. And if you keep it uh, keep it close against Georgia in the third quarter, who knows what the final is. So just that alone, fix that, and you might have a real shot in this game. I mean, they as well as they've played in the first halves of some games, I, I wouldn't rule out Tennessee comes out, plays pretty well early, and at least is right there in the game at halftime. So how well they respond after halftime is, is a huge part in this. And, yeah, they've, they've got to figure that out. It's, it's hard to imagine – this team turning the corner if they can't somehow reverse this awful trend they've had lately in the third quarter. Third quarter, more like third quarter. They've played like it. I think we'll <laughs> leave it at that, Ryan. Thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. And you know what, guys? Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We say it every week, but we mean it. We absolutely mean it. Thank you again for listening to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Not Grant Ramey 24-7 because he's not a team player, but twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247 or facebook.com slash govals247. The Twitter site's pretty much nothing but Tennessee. Facebook uh, is a mix of things, but pretty much everything that we think a Tennessee fan would be interested in by and large. Or if you want that delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water just, just right from the tap, go to govals247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to discuss Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, basketball's coming soon. Also, baseball coverage, Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job of covering all things Lady Vols for us. Uh, We're called 24-7 for a reason. You can get stories there all day long, content out the ears, usually more than 20 in a day sometimes lately, just tons of stuff going on with both sports. Uh, tons of stuff with recruiting all the time. Uh, and right now, you can get 50% off of an annual subscription if you go there right now. That deal ends, I believe, at midnight. Uh, so go there now and take advantage of that. Uh, but if you're already a member and you pay us full price, which is still less than one mediocre lunch per month. Again, less than one mediocre lunch per month will get you access to everything in the GoBoss 24-7 catalog. And if you do that, you get access to CBS All Access in perpetuity. $100 plus annual value, where we are just putting money in your pocket. CBS All Access, of course, the CBS streaming platform. Everything, every show CBS has ever made, commercial free, new movies every single month. Uh, you get live sports with uh, SEC football, obviously Tennessee football, NFL football. Uh, you get uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. That gets kicked back up next week. So lots of fun stuff there. Get World Series of Poker stuff, get exclusive podcast stuff on there. Uh, you can also get. Um, and, and, and don't forget this. It's not just CBS. Viacom, we're, we're a pretty big company. CBS Viacom. We're, we, we, we can flex muscles. We can give you Comedy Central on there. We can give you MTV on there, BET on there. And for the kids, we've got Nickelodeon and Smithsonian. That's $100 plus of an annual value, commercial free, in your pocket if you're a full-paying member of GoVoss 24-7. Nobody can match that deal. Nobody can come close to matching that deal. So go take advantage of it. If nothing else, guys, you will hear from us Saturday night 
Uh, let's be honest, probably early Sunday morning because that's a really late game. Uh, but uh, you will hear from us after the Auburn game, and then you'll hear from us a couple times again next week. Uh, stay safe out there. Wear your masks, please. Socially distance, please. Let's. Let, we're so close to this getting this vaccine, guys. Just the numbers aren't good. Do your part. It's about all of us. We'll see you soon. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.